Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How is long? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet before we nerd. Listen, Laverne, it's shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And hopefully, just like that, we are into the second hour. We'll see. I didn't clear those out. Anyway, this is the Barbecue Central Show where we talk about barbecue and grilling related items. We do it live, we'll do it live. right here every Tuesday, do it live. I 9 can to 11 write p.m. It Eastern. We'll it it's also being recorded at the same time, so you can get it in podcast form. At your leisure, which might be the better way to do it, given the way things are going here today, but we'll see about that. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see any more chat stuff here, because once the internet drops like that, the ability to want to play with each other becomes not so great. So, I apologize if you can see me, but I can't see you. But we'll see how it goes here for the remainder of the show. Still to come on this show this evening, Amy Young from Old World Spices and Seasonings on closing out the show. Scott Nardi, 2021 SCA World Champ from Tankerbell Steak Team. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch. For a live video feed, also one over on YouTube slash RD Rempy. If you'd like to go there, you, we are also audibly live on Clubhouse as well. I think it appears that two folks are in there and sound appears to be getting out. My little icon is lighting up there. So I'll just go ahead and guess that I'm getting out on Clubhouse. If not, my recorder's still working. So everybody can get it tomorrow and the next day in podcast. Worst case scenario. You can also get an ad-free podcast feed experience two different ways. Going to patreon.com slash Show and become a patron over there. Or if you listen through the show on Apple Podcast, there's an ability to subscribe to an ad-free experience right there within the show. Coming up this Friday on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, episode 220. Is coming to you from March 20th, 2012, 10 years ago. Sometimes it's me and only me on these shows, and here's another version of that. At the lead, I may or may not have had Iron Chef Michael Simon on the line, only to have lost him. Curses. And then we switched to talking about technology, which was Twitter at the time. And hit the Michael Simon angle again where I read a Twitter reply from him to my request to being a guest. 
And then I hammer him a bit for not being very fair to me. You know, I was angry back then. But the good news is, years later, I have finally had a chance to do an interview with him in person at Mabel's Barbecue downtown Cleveland on East 4th. So, as they say, good things come to those who wait. And thank goodness he doesn't listen to the show because I'm pretty sure he would have killed any chance of me going to that place and interviewing him in person, let alone on the phone. He just went, nope. Get that big stuff out of here. But again, in my older years, in my advanced age, I'm not nearly as tuned up as I was back in 2012. 2012, I was tuned up. I was doing the show with a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to bash everybody. I wanted to win at all costs. In 2022, I am still in tune. I'm just not nearly as tuned up. I still want to win, but it's not at any cost. I still want to be the best show, but not forsaking others. Again, a little bit more of a mellow Greg Rempe in 2022 than he was in 2012. And if you listen to the Best Moments show, you'll see exactly what I mean as you start to venture into the last portion of that Best of show. Again, that's episode 220 back in 2012, so 10 years ago, almost to the day by the time it gets up there. Don't forget, if you want to hear a show or a guest or a segment that has been lost in the archive somewhere, email John, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com and let him know what you would like to hear or give him a keyword. He can do a search. And then he can build the show from there. And he will do his best to meet your need. Over the weekend, as I was mentioning, the SCA World Championship was taking place in Fort Worth, Texas. I don't know if a lot of you get on the phone or do Instagram looking for lives, things of this nature. But I just happened to fire up the phone at some point on a Saturday. And wouldn't you know it? Friend of show and the guy that makes M Grills, Travis McGee, was doing a live on Instagram. And I have to say this. You hear about how a particular cooker or a particular grill dominates a certain sector of the live fire market. Back in the day, Jambo Pit, you watched it on Barbecue Pitmasters TV show. You saw everybody running a Jambo. All of a sudden, Jamie Gear getting a Huge influx of calls about, I got to have what Johnny Trigg has. I got to have what Myron Mixon has or Tuffy Stone has. Everybody using a Jambo. For a time, they're still very popular, but it seemed like that was the offset cooker that was dominating the market. You had to have one of those. Well, I never, you know, it just never really seems to hit home with you until you see it live. And that's exactly what happened Saturday when I tuned into this M Grills live stream. By the way, it does appear we're back on Facebook. That's good. I will say this. There were a lot of teams that had at least one M-Grill in their arsenal. Not every team, but a lot of teams had at least one. Most seem to favor the M16 unit. If you're not familiar with M-Grills and me throwing out all these weaponry talks, it's not going to mean anything to you, but you can go to the website and take a look at their various models. But the M16 seemed to be the one that was in a bunch of people's favors. And I have to say, as someone who does not compete 
it was very impressive to see the type of market penetration that Emgrill has in that space. It also makes me want to get one. You know what? I'm lying. It makes me want to ask Travis to send me one because rule number three of the show is if it's free, it's me. That's right. Friend of the show and the mayor of Hawaii, Lance Owens, sent me this article from mash.com. The absolute best ribs in the U.S. Now, these aren't ranked one through whatever. But in case you were wondering what the best ribs in the U.S. are from a restaurant standpoint, here you go. Number one, and I've actually had these, Pappy's Smokehouse. Right there in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, next on the list, he's been a guest on the show, by the way. Kevin Bloodsoe's Bloodsoe's Barbecue in Compton, California. Louis Miller Barbecue made the list. Twin Anchors made the list in Chicago. Roper's Ribs made the list. Hill Country Barbecue Market made the list as some of the best ribs that you can get. The Shed Smokehouse and Juke Joint. By the way, that's not the Shed like Brad and Brooke Orson's place. This is in Marysville, Tennessee. I'm sorry, Maryville, Tennessee. Ray Ray's Hog Pit made the list. If you're going to be running out and you're around Ray Ray's, that looks like another one. Uh, let's see. Ray Ray's has four locations in Ohio, three of which are food trucks. Hmm. Uh, I live in Ohio. I've never heard of Ray Ray's. That doesn't mean anything, by the way. Bogart Smokehouse is a great place for ribs. If you've ever been to Bogart's, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this place. It's a little bit of an up-and-comer out there in Austin. You ever heard of Franklin Barbecue? That seems to be a place you can go and get good ribs. How about this place? Nobody's ever heard of this place. Known for chicken and white sauce, but evidently some of the best ribs you can get in the country. Big Bob Gibson's. How about that? Then the place with the biggest aesthetic pit you can ever see walking into a restaurant, the Salt Lick, Phillips Barbecue, Fiorella's Jack Stack Barbecue in Kansas City, Wagner's Ribs City Market, and that rounds out your best ribs. The next list that we're going to hit at some point down the road, the best steakhouse in every state. Of course, I skipped ahead to Ohio. It's the, It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> Zero chance. The place listed for the best steakhouse in every state in Ohio is that's not the best place. I know it's not. All right, Amy from Old World Spices is in the green room. We'll get to her in just one second. I'll talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grill, some of the best pellet cookers out there in the market today. Two different lines to choose from, a choice line and a prime line. Choice line, you can save some cash if you want, if you don't need all the Wi-Fi and app technology or some of the other internal meat probes, things like this. Save your money. Great cooker. Daniel Boone size. Feeds a bunch of people. Very nice. Entry level. Now, you want to spend a couple extra hundred bucks? All right. 
little bit more of a robust build on the chassis. You get peek-in windows on the main cooking chamber, pellet hopper, two internal meat probes. Now we're also adding Wi-Fi technology. We're adding app capabilities so you can set intricate cook scenarios. You can adjust the temperature of the pit up and down right from the convenience of an app if you want to do that. The list goes on. Plus, additional size here, you have a peak and a ledge. The choice of the prime line also accommodate all the uh, all these cookers, the pizza oven insert. So everybody loves high heat wood-fired grills these days. Now you can do it on a pellet cooker. Take it the guts out of the cooker that comes with originally, insert the pizza oven insert. And now you have live fire pizza, high heat pizza. Get up to 1,000 degrees depending on how you set your temperature. I don't like to run that way, but whatever. Uh, like Primo Grills, only sold through dealers. So go to uh, go to GreenMountainGrill.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Find a dealer near you. Check them out. Get educated by the one that best fits your needs. Then you're off and running. Success right out of the box. Primo, I'm sorry, uh, GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Jason Baker and the gang over there at Green Mountain Grills. And we're back with Amy at Old World Spices. When we come back, stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion being brought to you by Smithfield. Smithfield.com is the place to go right now for tips, tricks from well-known live fire cooks like Darren Worth, Jess Priles, and Charles Cridland with mouthwatering flavor and no artificial ingredients. Smithfield Fresh Pork is quite simply some of the finest pork money can buy and the trusted choice of top cooks for use at competitions and at home. Smithfield.com. My first guest in the second hour is part of a family business that many of us know in this industry. And if we don't know them, we've probably purchased a product that they have had a hand in packaging and getting to market. What has been more popular than rubs, seasonings, and sauces over the past handful of years? Nothing. They are the most popular aside from pellet cookers. Uh, Sauces and rubs and seasonings is it. So let's go ahead and learn all about it. We race to the hotline and welcome in the Executive Vice President of Corporate Relations at Old World Spices, first-timer here on this show. We welcome in Amy Young. Hey, Amy. Hey, Greg. How are you? I am absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you making time for the show. And I have to throw caution up immediately. The first hour was fraught with technical issues and guests saying they were going to be at their homes when they were out on South Beach uh, outside doing whatever the (laughs) hell they're doing out there. So... Just throwing it out there up front, just in case anything goes haywire, stick with it. Um, As I had mentioned in the open, Amy, lots of people in the world of live fire have heard about or know who Old World Seasonings is. But for you, it goes back quite a ways. Can you give us a little backstory on the history of the company and when it was first started? Sure. Well, I grew up in the spice industry. So uh, my grandfather actually uh, was part of the family that owned Dubuque Pack in Dubuque, Iowa. And he, I guess, grew up and decided he didn't want to work on a kill floor for the rest of his life. So he left pork and got into selling spices to the pork industry. My dad joined him when he got out of college. And the first spice company they had back in the 1960s to mid-70s was called Young Seasoning Laboratories. 
and it was very successful. They got purchased out by a division of farmland called Farmarco. And yeah, my dad is an entrepreneur. He went around trying some other things and nothing was ever as successful for him as spices. So in 1988, he got back into the business as a broker and then started distributing. And then we had customers coming back saying, hey, do you still have my formulas? Could you still blend? And dad and I would go down on the weekends and uh, literally hand blend, weigh out all the individual ingredients by hand, put them in bags, shake them up, uh, really did things in a very um, rustic format, I guess, until we decided to start getting into the equipment. So now it's been 30, I lose track, 32 years, 34 years, and we are, um, Gosh, 8,000 square foot warehouse, uh, 8,000 square foot production facility in Concordia, Missouri, our headquarters in, in Overland Park, Kansas. And we just, within the last year, purchased Head Country barbecue sauce down in Oklahoma, Ponca City. So, your grandfather, your father, all into this. Was there ever a chance that you were not going to be part of Old World Seasoning, or did you? try something else and then fall back into the family I did. business. Oh, what were you doing? I started off I started off as a high school special ed teacher. So I taught wow. uh, high school behavior disorders and learning disabilities in Blue Springs, Missouri. And many people say that's why I'm really good at working with the pitmasters now because I had my training early <laughs> for, for dealing with those dysfunctional crowds, you know? Have the patience, the ability to communicate and, you know, help them out. I can certainly see that. Um so when do you fall back into the mix? I'm sorry? When do you fall back into the mix with Old World then, out of, uh, out of teaching? Oh, when I, okay, so I took a break. I, well, I was teaching. I only taught two years. And I took a break one summer, started helping my dad out. And this is when he was kind of transitioning from uh, just being a distributor and hadn't quite gotten into manufacturing yet. And I just really enjoyed it. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take a little break from teaching and help dad out and i'm on a 32 year break now mm, all right. so I, I said i can't afford the pay cut anymore to go back to teaching unfortunately i still work with the kids a lot through a lot of volunteer work that we do and and our company is very involved in children's charities so i i feel like i still kind of have a hand in the special ed area when you look back in 1988 when your dad started to get back into it again and you see where old world is today what have been the biggest areas of growth for the company you know, I think you've got to kind of follow the trends and kind of be diversified at the same time. So if you go back to the 90s, remember when bagels were a really big thing and bagel shops were popping up everywhere? Oh, yeah. That was the biggest part of our business at that time. We were making the flavors that went into the bagels for both the, the uh, frozen bagels that were being sold all over the world, uh, stuff that was being sold in the grocery stores, the retail chains. And then, oh my gosh, guess what? Carbs aren't good for you. Bagels start to crash, which means bagel flavors start to crash. And luckily, we were diversified into enough other things that um, you know, kind of kept us afloat and helped us weather some storms. Um, barbecue really came up for us because we were doing blends for some of the local barbecue restaurants. You mentioned Jack Stack a few minutes ago. Uh, Fiorella Jack Stack was being one of the uh, top rib joints in the country. Well, Jack Fiorella and my dad grew up together, went to high school together. Wow! So he was one of the very first people we started doing uh, barbecue rub blending for. And then uh, Jack was building up his catalog business. He wanted to sell bottles. He needed stuff packaged off for him. He talked my dad into buying a little piece of equipment that was uh, semi-automatic. And we would pack off, you know, 100 cases or so for Jack. And then we got Jeff Steeny, 
uh, Joe's Kansas City, you know, to come on. We got Arthur Bryant. So we just really started locally. And then word just started to spread. Hey, there's this little company in Kansas City and they'll do small runs. You know, at that time, we were doing 250 pound runs, which was just unheard of in the industry to do anything that small. But we started with these small brands and they've grown with us over the years into being really large business now. Is that really the growth of the company? You have somebody that you're doing business with, they're happy and they just happen to mention it because they're within the same industry. The, the barbecue guys talk to barbecue guys or the bagel people talk to bagel people. If they're happy, um, you, you almost don't need to go out and advertise per se. You're getting a lot of business just from people saying, well, hey, you're taking such good a such good care of Tim, uh, maybe you can take good care of me too. In the barbecue industry, most definitely. Um, I think your reputation is your most valuable asset. And if people don't feel good about the job you're doing, it's going to spread fast. Um, we get, I would say, a good deal of our business comes in from referrals. Uh, you know, I love to go hang out at the barbecue contest. And, uh, you know, I was just in Houston and San Antonio over the last month or so. I'll be heading to Memphis here shortly, uh, MBBQA conference coming up. I love it when people come up and just say, oh my gosh, so-and-so is just talking about you. I got to tell you about my rub. I got to see if I can get your help. Can you, would you look at my label and tell me what you think? Um, and I think within this industry, everybody is so helpful of each other that it's, nobody's intimidated to come up and ask for an opinion, ask for some help. And nobody else turns around and says, yeah, I'm not going to help you unless you do this for me. Never see that in this industry. So I'll help. I'll give somebody advice, even if they're not going to be a client. Amy Young joining me here on the show from Old World Spices. We're going to be talking about a new competition that's coming up here in just a few minutes. So stay tuned for that. Business-wise, Amy, there was... Now, there's big words that I don't really understand. A recapitalization back in 2020 with a firm mm -hmm. called Shore Capital. So to me, that seems like maybe there was a buy or maybe there was a sell. In layman's terms, is that what happened? And then if it is, did you get approached or did Old World get approached and say, hey, we're such and such a firm. We're looking to get into the spice blending business or... Uh, was it opposite of that? Was Old World looking to sell and you needed to find the right dance partner? We actually spent three years looking for the right partner to bring in. So when we initially, um, it was my dad aging. Uh, dad, sorry, you're not old. Uh, but he was uh, you know, hitting the late 70s. He knew that he was ready to exit. He didn't want to see the company get sold off, uh, split, split out. Uh, we certainly weren't having a fire sale, but what he wanted to see was for my generation to be able to continue with the company, really grow it and have the financial support that we needed to launch us to that next level. So we found Shore Capital. It's exactly what they were looking for. They wanted to start a platform, a food platform using Old World as the base and then start acquiring other food companies so that they could get us to grow faster. So Head Country was uh, our first acquisition. We have several more in the works, a couple that will probably materialize still this year and not all just in barbecue, but they are all in food. The mention of head country, that was something I was going to be asking about anyway, that as you you know start to get going under that new ownership, the, the first thing that's done is that acquisition of head country. I, I kind of understand, maybe I'm not right, so correct me if I'm wrong, that if somebody came to you with a sauce before head country, you were able to formulate it uh, to a certain point, uh, but then it was going to be you know, farmed out to somebody else that did sauce. So getting head country in, I mean, who's bigger and bar, I mean, sweet baby rays, of course, but you know, from a, a barbecue standpoint, 
who's better, who's bigger than head country, and they know exactly what they're doing. So this had to be, uh, from a reputation standpoint, from a productivity standpoint, a huge win for uh, Old World Spices and Shore Capital. Yeah, we knew some time ago we wanted to get into barbecue sauce. Um, you know, using co-packers is, is great. And we've got some really great partners that we've been able to go to and work with. But to be primary in it was really always a goal of ours. So we actually looked at one point of putting up our own plant and getting into sauce production. And then as we looked at it, we went, whoa, no, this is, this is, you, it seems like it would be right in tight with what we're doing now, but it really wasn't. It was a whole new ball of wax to learn. So we thought if we're going to get into sauce, we need to, we need to find a good sauce partner. We need to do more of a merger and bring somebody into the family. And Head Country had been a client of ours for a long time. We had done their sauce seasonings um, and their rubs. And so we were very familiar with the people. We knew their quality. We knew their culture was very well aligned with ours. So it, uh, yeah, it just was a natural fit and you had to wait for the timing to be right. If somebody comes now uh, with a sauce idea, so for instance, I have a great homemade barbecue sauce. I mean, how many times have you heard that? I submit a recipe to you and then it just gets uh, shipped out to head country. They do all the, the, the formulating or the weighing or whatever and then start sending back samples and then we start to pare it down from there. So we've actually hired, uh, we have a, a research and development center in Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, we've got food scientists on staff, uh, uh, professional experienced chefs, and we just uh, have hired our first um, food scientist who specializes in wet sauce development. So we now have somebody on staff who can, who can do that from beginning to end. So all of that research and development is done on a, I'm gonna say a pilot level in our facilities in Overland Park. And then once we get samples to a customer, now sometimes our customers will come in and they'll spend time and spend a couple of days and work side by side. Sometimes we will make up small batches and we'll have to ship them back and forth and do taste and you know get their opinions back. Uh, but once we get it where you like it, then we would send it down to Ponca City and Head Country would do a pilot batch. So they'll scale it up a little bit larger, send it out, make sure that we're still hitting the mark because you can really lose th things from going from a bench top to a pilot batch to a full-scale production. So we want to watch it every step of the way to make sure that we're still hitting the mark. So if you're interested, uh, you can go to Old World Spices, and I'm sure there's some type of a contact there where you can start that whole process if you want rub or sauce, something like that. Now it's nice to be uh, vertical as well, so you can do it from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about here uh, with the remaining time is, and you know, the show used to be pretty competition-heavy, um, with the kind of sinking of popularity of competitions over the last handful of years, we've turned a little bit away from it. But uh, as it starts to potentially reemerge again here in 2022, you are putting together or helping put together a very unique barbecue competition. Um, it is a little bit uh, exclusive, but inclusive of uh, Kansas in Missouri. So uh, tell us a little bit about it and uh, what it's all about. It's called the Made for KC BBQ Championship. And how this came about was Kansas City is putting up a new uh, terminal for our airport. It's gonna open in March of 23. And there were several groups that were bidding on the concessions for the airport. So one of the groups, which is called OHM, um, Outstanding Hospitality Management out of St. Louis, had approached me with an idea and said, we would like to have, we'd really like to play up competition barbecue in Kansas City your home of KCBS, uh, the Kansas City Barbecue Society, largest sanctioning body in the country for barbecue contest. 
Um, we are home of the American Royal, which is the largest uh, barbecue competition in the world. And I mean, that our top 600 teams and 17 countries involved. So they really wanted to play up that theme. So what they said is they'd like to host an annual barbecue contest. They have uh, installed an 8,000 square foot barbecue restaurant in the new airport terminal. And what they'd like to do is allow the winner of the barbecue contest to be featured and licensed in that restaurant for one year. So we are hosting our first contest on June 10th and 11th here in Kansas City. Um, and the winner, of the, and it's going to be a small contest this first year. We've only got 36 teams. We wanted to keep it small, controlled, to make sure we do this right because we've got a lot of eyes watching us. Um, you had to be a KCBS registered team. You had to be in Kansas or Missouri and within a 60-mile radius of the airport because we really wanted to play up the local Kansas City barbecue flavor. No offense to all my friends in St. Louis, but I didn't want a St. Louis barbecue team coming in and <laughs> being featured in my Kansas City airport. So we really kind of kept that one tight. But we had 49 teams apply. We did a lottery drawing for the 36. You can see them all listed on our website that you just had up. Thank you very much for flashing that up on the screen. And uh, it's going to be fun. So the winner this year, now there's a $46,000 purse, which is huge for 36 teams. Yeah, no doubt. And so the grand champion is going to get a $25,000 check plus a royalty, which will give them a percentage of the food sales from the restaurant for one year. And then we will have the same contest every year to choose a new winner that will go in the following spring. Just so we're clear, you said the, res the grand champion gets its own check for $25,000 plus the royalties wow. on the restaurant. Any, uh, any, mm -hmm. uh, predictions on what the, the royalty fee might bring over the course of a year? They're anticipating six to $8 million in food sales through that, uh, restaurant. So, uh, and it'd be a 1% royalty arrangement. So you're at 60 to $80,000 on top Holy of the 25, almost three times bigger so than the grand champion check. Holy moly. Well, initially they, Initially, they were going to do just a royalty and make it larger, uh, but we thought, you know, let, let's split it up a little bit. Let's do some of the cash up front so you have something to really hold and be excited about, and then let's let the royalties come on so that you're staying involved and promoting the restaurant and helping us with the recipes and making sure that, that things are successful. We really want this to be just a spotlight for Kansas City for people to come in well, they understand what we do and how much we love competition barbecue. I'm hoping it's going to increase, increase tourism and more people will come back in for the American Royal or come back in for our own contest. Assuming it goes well, assuming there's all sorts of success, and now we have to look forward to the next year and potentially the, the next year after that, I have to assume this is going to be something everybody wants to take part of. Is, do you foresee in the future this only still being relegated to Kansas City, Missouri, within a, a certain distance of the airport in order to maintain its locality? Are you going to move if I say yes? Uh, I'm not because I do not compete. <laughs> However, I mean, I have to assume some folks that might push them over the edge if they were looking to move out that way. Yeah, I think we will keep it local. What we do want to do is encourage more people to get involved in competition barbecue. So I'm actually working on a deal right now with the Westlake Ace Hardware Group, and we are going to start teaching competition barbecue classes at a very reasonable cost through the Westlake retail locations in Kansas City. So people who want to learn more about competition barbecue have maybe thought about starting a team, have never gotten involved, will now have an opportunity to, to, to learn, to come in, and maybe throw their hat in for next year. 
When is the competition again? June 10th and 11th. And the wait list is up. So uh, this is great. I mean, the, the first place check is wonderful. 1% of, you know, whatever the projected revenues might be is even better. So that's going to be very exciting to see how that actually transpires. We're talking with Amy Young from Old World Spices, the executive vice president of corporate relations, the website oldworldspices.com. Uh, anything else, Amy, before I let you go this evening? And I appreciate the time. Yeah, Greg, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you giving us the time to come in and, and talk about all the fun stuff we're doing. I appreciate your time tonight and continued success. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. You got it. There she is right there. Amy Yunk from Old World Spices and Seasonings. Again, the website, oldworldspices.com. I mean, 25 grand to win. Wow. <laughs> and 1% of revenues from the new barbecue restaurant that you would be assigned to. Um, get, the, get the rights there. Man, that's insane. Wow. So we hope that goes very well. Again, that's going to be June 10th and 11th. Go to made for KCBS BBQ. Um, no, made for KC BBQ championship.com. That's made for KC BBQ championship.com and check out all the information that's going on over there. And hopefully if you're going to be around there, you can stop by and hang out. The world champ is in the green room, and we'll get to him here in just one moment. I'll talk to you quickly about Yoder Smokers. Designing and building all of their products right here in the U.S. of A and building pride through craftsmanship, world-class customer service. That's the backbone of how they've built the company. This approach translates into what can be a truly bespoke-style product that elevates gatherings with friends and family. Honored to have a trusted place in the backyards of America. From pellet grills to wood-fired offset pits and charcoal grills, consistent blue ribbon flavor has become synonymous with the Yoder Smokers name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smokers flavor-driven design unique to each style of pit, and the team has developed their cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that's rooted in the handmade products and defines the integrity of the core values, American-made quality, and endless flavor. The benchmarks of Yoder Smokers. Visit Yoder Smokers com to grab yours today. That's yodersmokers.com. We are back with Scott Nardi right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion being brought to you by Vortic Watches, a small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company located in northern Colorado, taking antique American pocket watches and turning them into wristwatches. Their mission, preserve and enhance the legacy of manufacturing excellence in America. In order to do it, they combine traditionally cutting-edge technology to create unique quality functional timepieces with exceptional value. And the coolest part, each one that they make is unique and one-of-a-kind. Check out VorticWatches.com for more info or to purchase. They do have a couple available right now. Coming out of the bullpen tonight is a first-time guest of the show. He's also... 
the king in the castle. King in the castle. King in the castle. When it comes to the world of competitive state cooking, snagging the 2021 world title this past weekend down in Fort Worth, Texas. Here to recap the event, the weekend, how we got into this whole game is the grill master of Tankerbell Steak Team. Part of the Cheese Curd Cartel, Scott Nardi joining me here on the show. Hey, Scott. Hey, Greg. Good to be with you tonight. I am happy to have you aboard here and appreciate you making time. So let's go in reverse order here tonight, Scott, and get the recap out front and then dig back into the background, all that stuff. Um, I do want to point out a little bit, though, on you. As you look back over 2021 calendar year, you win nine events. That's not easy to do. And not only, actually, I'm sorry. Yeah, (laughs) 10, of course, Uh, (laughs) 10 events, but who cares about all of that? Uh, One of maybe three or four people to also pull a perfect score. Now, Scott Nardi pulls a perfect score. Uh, Matt Overson pulls a perfect score. And I believe the week before that, Sandy Brown pulls a perfect score. Who am I missing or am I missing? Yep, that's the three of us. All right, that's all three, there is. A trifecta right there. So while I'm not hugely into the SEA, I do know the most important nuggets, and I don't care what Rusty has to say about that. So uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the World Championship. I'm asking this a little tongue-in-cheek, but for those that don't know, how do you make it down to the World Championships? Uh, basically, you got to win your way into that one. Um, that uh, You go win a comp, get a golden ticket, and then... You're in. <laughs> so you had so 10 golden tickets, basically. Yes, basically. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And actually, I I, uh, I got my golden ticket. It was a hand down. You can get a hand down. Um, so you make the top 10. If the winner already has a golden ticket, it can go down through the top 10. <laughs> so my first comp of the year was a double uh, up here in Wisconsin out on a frozen lake. That was interesting. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Doc Mark Johnson, he he won, but he got a back-to-back win that day. Uh, it was in February of 2021. Um, got a back-to-back win. I got a second place in stake B, so he got his golden ticket on stake A. So I got his hand-down golden ticket. Huh. So that was kind of cool. So then I got to hand out um, 10 golden tickets, actually. I got 10 wins and handed out – Ten, well, almost 10. There was a couple that weren't any hand downs, actually, because if um, everybody in the top 10 is qualified, then it goes down to an at-large bid. Mm. So basically, there's a set amount of those, uh, however many there is. If the comp has all qualified top 10 individuals, then it goes into an at-large bid. So it'll go to the top of the heap in the points race that don't have a golden ticket yet. And then... They can come down. I think there was about ten of those this year. But so looking, basically, you got to win in. <laughs> yeah, got to win in. So uh, looking yep. at this past weekend, um, I mean, Wisconsin, Texas, Fort Worth. Uh, I'm no by the crow fly kind of guy, but that seems to be quite a distance. Uh, when do you leave for that, and when do you actually load in at the contest site? Um, load in um, this year was. Um, it was a little different because they added an ancillary world championship to the weekend this year. So the ancillary cooks started on Friday. So they actually started loading on Thursday. So we, we, um, uh, my wife and I, my wife, Jessica, she, she, she's a heck of a cook too. She was eighth in the points race this year, but uh, we went down a weekend early and cooked in Santo, Texas and, uh, did a double comp down at Santo 
and then stayed. We had three days off to just kind of relax and see Fort Worth and then loaded in on Thursday morning and uh, hung out with our friends that were cooking ancillary on Friday and then got down a serious steak business on Saturday morning. So how does this contest break down in order to get to the finals on Sunday? For those that don't know. Uh, to, to get to the finals, um, basically this year there was uh, roughly 450, uh, 450 cooks that were qualified wow. to get in there. Um, so they basically broke those into groups of 50. So Saturday was a qualifier round. Uh, you had to, the top 10 from each group of 50 moved on to the finals on Saturday. So there was a top 90, and then there was uh, the points champ, the U.S. points champ, European points champ, and Australian points champ were in automatically because of their points champ. So it was top 93. So you had to get a top 10 call out of your group and move on to the final round and play the chips where they go. Where did you qualify? <laughs> I actually ended up eighth in my group. So, but, I mean, I wasn't a, a any top 10 call I'm happy with on that day. That's fine. But, uh, you know, it's kind of nice seeing your scores and seeing where I was. Uh, I missed a couple points on doneness that day. So that kind of got me a little bit. So I knew I had to focus on that on Sunday for the final round. So did you miss nice under or did goals. you miss over? I am. I'm pretty sure it was over. Oh. <laughs> it's it's hard to say for sure because you don't really know. Um, unlike KCBS, you don't get notes on anything. You don't you don't get nothing. You see your scores. If you're over or under, you just got to go with your gut and figure it out. So I, I assumed by my finish temps, I assumed I was over. <laughs> so I went uh, about a degree or two less on Sunday for the final, and that that paid out. <laughs> So you get eighth, you make it into the finals on Sunday. Uh, where are you picking in the in the meat snake? Who, um, geez, I was I think I was thirty third on Saturday, and then Sunday I ended up picking a number nine chip. So I was ninth in line. So good on the way down, I, bad on the way back. Yeah, honestly, I got two great steaks. The oh, yeah. uh, SCA did a great job sourcing some steaks for this event. Uh, I can't complain about any of the steaks <laughs> I picked this weekend. They were all beautiful. So, uh, marbled nice, nice and tender. I, 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 I wish I remembered where they sourced them from, so I give them a shout out. But uh, they were beautiful steaks. You had mentioned that you withheld a couple degrees on the internal temp Sunday because you thought you might have went over a little bit. Was there anything else yeah. that you learned? Saturday that you adjusted Sunday? Oh, that was about the only adjustment I really made. That was about it. When you were done Sunday, you're putting it in the box, you're getting ready to run it over to the booth or the tent or whatever the hell they call it. Did it uh, give you inklings or feelings of a world championship steak? Does everybody feel like they turn in the world championship steak at this kind of event? You know, competitive barbecuers oh, never yeah. think they do well, you know, and it, they never want to hear I did well. And if they like it, it's usually the case. Exactly. Of but is no, it different it, for a uh, steak? Oh, oh, it is the same thing in steak. And it's, I've been in a position, my, my cook went smooth. I came back from steak selection and I had a beautiful steak. I was so happy. It, it was like, that is the steak I wish I could pick every time it was the one i want to cook i was super happy with that i knew all i had i just need to not screw this up you know and so i i don't remember the last time i was that nervous cooking a steak so it 
big deal going yeah going through the whole the whole deal the, you know the trim season just do it right cook it right get the grill temps right have everything go everything went so smooth I, it was it was scary i was nervous i i i know i, I talked to a lot of people i i had to walk around and it, have a couple drinks and just walk work out some energy <laughs> just because i was i was so nervous about how smoothly it went people are asking how to go i'm like too good hmm. it went too good i i, I don't have a chance <laughs> like I, I like you said with with barbecue guys if it goes good your confidence is shot yep. <laughs> i felt the same way this is the grand champ that everybody wants, of course, uh, whether you're down there or not, especially if you've made the finals, uh, this is the one you want to win. Uh, this is why you do it during the course of the year. So when you're called or as you learn that you are the world champion here for 2021, what are those first rushes of emotions that come over you? Oh, just relief. <laughs> really? <laughs> just, just, just relief. It, it's, Did you think there was a lot of pressure uh, on you to, to win it? Uh, there... The, uh, the, or is it self pressure? Most pressure, the self pressure. Yeah. The most pressure was coming from myself. I, I mean, just knowing, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm pretty, co I'm confident that I can cook a steak, but it's just the pressure you put on yourself. Going, don't ruin this. I, I've made bad decisions. I, I've, I've, I've shot myself in the foot before plenty of times where it's like, why did I do that? And you go home empty handed uh, on the second page, like, oh, and it's just that pressure of like, don't make mistakes. Don't. <laughs> it's that's the that was the worst part. <laughs> so then there's satisfaction sticking to the game plan. It actually ran smooth. I mean, this should give you all the confidence in the world for every tournament that you show up to from now on. If things go smooth, you might as well cash it in. If you felt this good at World Championships, now you're just some you know podunk SCA event wherever. I mean, if you're feeling good, you probably want. No, nah, hope hope for the best, expect the worst, and you'll get your ass handed to you on any day by anyone. That's that's what I absolutely love about the SCA is I've seen so many first time cooks come out and win a comp. I, I've gone home with my with my tail between my legs because first time cooks come out and just hit it out of the park it's it's awesome to see that though all right so this is the time in the show where you bare your soul and you're not allowed to not answer any questions because everybody wants to know these things from a world champion <laughs> this is i mean you can only control so much in this particular question but what are you looking for in stake selection and i know you know you if you get a, a tenth you're tenth first but then you're you know it runs you know one through whatever and then it reverses yep. the order back so what are you looking for what would you like uh, my, oh, my first choice in a steak is I, I'm, I'm looking for a try heart, which if you're not cooking SCA, you probably don't know what the heck that is. Don't ask your butcher. Cause they don't know. It's just <laughs> an, it's a term us cooks use. Uh, it's the chuck end of the steak where you got the spinalis, spinalis minor and the eye, all those three muscles in there. Uh, generally those are marbled a little better. There's a little more tender, um, they're a little trickier to cook because you got three different muscles, but once you get the hang of it, uh, the the texture the and the texture is just awesome on those. And usually they're marbled a little better, so you got fats flavor, right? We all know that. So a little extra marbling doesn't hurt. But uh, it, I mean, I that's what I look for in the first 
my first go down the table is look for the tryhards, try to find a good one. I don't mind cooking a spinalis steak. You get down to that uh, more towards the center of the loin, and you just got basically the eye and the spinalis coming around. Um, if there's no good tryhards on there, I've passed up. I've passed up tryhards before just because I didn't like them. There was <laughs> some goofy stuff going on, some like big hunks of gristle in the spinalis. Like, nope, don't want that. I don't want to judge eating that. Um, <laughs> I've won with spinalis and tryhard steaks. It can go either way. It's a matter of you got to practice with all the steaks. Just buy all the steaks. It, it doesn't matter. I know some people go down to the store and they pick out steaks and they pick out the steak they want to yeah. pick off the selection table. When you go grab buy a practice steak, buy the one you don't want. Figure out how to cook it. Figure out how to make it right. Hit your texture, hit your doneness on that, and have a plan for everything. Was the world champ steak a tryhard? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so two years in a row. I know Marissa Overston was huge on tryhard cooking as well. So you got two years in a row uh, where tryhards take the day here. Uh, trimming yep. and uh, all that. Are you a, I don't know what the term is, are you a hockey puck kind of guy or will you uh, <laughs> let it keep some of its normal steak shape? What do you think? Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah, you see a lot of round steaks. Um, I, I let the steak, I try to trim it the way it wants to trim. I just try to follow follow the muscles the way they want to be. Sometimes it's round, sometimes it's oval. It, it's, I just follow the muscle the way it wants to naturally be and the try to let it be. The, uh, you try to force a protein into a shape it doesn't want to be it's not natural it moves weird it does it does funky stuff i it becomes unpredictable so i just tried to get all the uh the silver skin and the fat around out of the outer edges anything that's going to make it move while it cooks because as it heats up if you got i mean it basically becomes a rubber band around the steak and it starts to cup and do weird things move around i try to remove all that stuff so the protein's somewhat relaxed and it's it's going to move when it heats up obviously it's going to contract and do weird stuff but control you can control and let it be what it wants to be you keep the tail on or will you take it off tail goes away (laughs) tails are unpredictable uh are you a a roper and a pinner as well oh yeah all All that all that stuff yep Yep. how many uh, uh, many pins are you putting in or does the steak tell you how many pins to put in i i I generally, I am six pins no matter what it needs wow. uh, because that is the most I've ever needed to hold a steak together. So they all get six just so I count six when they come out just to just to make it a habit. How quick are you rubbing your steak when you get it back to the tent? Um, or do you I want it to, to sit for so it. long before you would cook it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like a specific yep. time? Yeah, I will rub it. I try to get it in rub, seasoned up, uh, about an hour and a half to a hour 15 before turn-in time. Do you use a Scott Nardi branded rub? Uh, do you use something commercially available? Do you use a bunch of other stuff like Frankenstein rub? What do you like? All commercial. I use yeah. all commercial rubs. Um, there's no point... That, there's so many good rubs on the market. There's no point in reinventing the wheel. Let's take rubs you like, put them together. What complements what? Is it Boar's Night Out, White Lightning, and DD47, or whatever that uh, other oh, rub that was winning for everybody? Oh, and, and then yeah. uh, using uh, Overson's uh, 
beet soak? <laughs> oh man, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> As somebody who is not an SDA steak cook, I just listen to interviews and stuff. It seems like there's a lot of people using yeah. a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, I, being being all the boards night out. I mean, that's a go to. The White Lightning is yep. is a, a standby. Like I, I, I don't know if I know anybody that's not using that and. I would dare say if they say they don't, they might be a liar. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty popular. Because, yeah, that's that's everywhere. So, yeah, I use some of that. Um, then uh, I got Smoke Ghost, Croy Valley, uh, DB180, uh, Rack Masters. <laughs> uh, Rack Masters. <laughs> yeah. I love that name. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a uh, barbecue name. Yep. <laughs> uh, what do you cook on? Uh, this year I am cooking on a PK go. Did you cook on something so, else last year? That's been last year. I cooked on a Oklahoma Joe Rambler all year. No way. Uh, which was, yeah, it was wow. probably the cheapest grill on the circuit. <laughs> Why did you so, switch? That was interesting. Um, it's more predictable and yeah. better operating grill. Um, got a little tired of fighting the grill so i had to step up the game and it, it's it's paid off it's been super solid the it, the year's been off to a great start and i can i do not regret that move at all do you use the product grill grates yes definitely would you not use the product grill grates i want to <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you have to use those in order to give yourself the best chance at winning aesthetically um at this point, yes, yeah. it is kind of the standard. Um, a lot. It, it seems like judges expect real greats, but I think it's moving away from that. Um, I know there have been areas where steaks have scored well. Seared steaks have scored well coming out of a cast iron pan, um, and it's. I'm very interested in that. So I, I'm very curious to try to get a technique and a process down on that. Um, I know a few people that have done it, been talking to them and trying to learn, see what happens. So I would love to break that mold a little bit and add some variety. If you go to your Instagram page, you're either sponsored or you're a big fan of Jealous Devil Charcoal. So I'd assume that's what's fueling the PK. Yes. Uh, what do you like yep, to get definitely. the rails up to temperature wise before you put the steak on? I'll run uh, yeah, 600 to 620. I'm pretty happy with that. What's your flip schedule? Flip schedule? I go right around a minute to a minute and 10, depending on the thickness of the steak, the ambient yeah. temperatures, all that kind of weighs into it a little bit. But. And you'd like shelf it to get to wherever your internal temperature is? Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, yep. Do you have yeah. a, like, what do you? shoot for internal temperature wise or does that also vary in how the steak feels to you all of that will that will vary by this by the feel of the steak and the cut of the steak and the color of the steak um yeah <laughs> it, it gets a little weird uh the like the tri hearts on the chuck end you can cook those a little hotter and they'll still stay pink uh spinalis steaks if you air to the hot side, they're going to look well done. Uh, you can air if you air to the cool side on a try heart, they they look rare. Hmm. So you kind of got to find a balance. It really comes down to a, just a whole lot of practice and getting a feel for it. When yeah. you <laughs> are done taking the steak up, you pick which one you want. You, you're cooking too, and uh, what's the the finishing process? 
oh, like after they're done cooking, coming off the grill. Yeah, you take it process. off the grill and you you're yeah, gonna put yeah. it in your okay. styrofoam container. Blah blah blah. Yeah, getting it ready to go in the container. I I take it out. I take I, I take a paper plate covered in aluminum foil so I don't melt no wax wax onto the steak. It's they're waxed, you know. It's coming off a hot grill. Yep. <laughs> so cover it with foil. I'll butter the plate and uh, dump a little finish rub on the plate, sprinkle on there, and then uh, let it rest, see where the temps are going, and then I'll take and uh, butter the spinalis of the steak and the edge of the steak that the judges will eat, and then hit it with a little finish rub after that. And time it out, see where the temps are going. Pull the pins, cut the string. Don't forget to cut the string. I've done that. Don't forget to pull the pins. Put it in the box. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. It could happen. <laughs> does uh, not cutting the string get you DQ'd? Yes, it does. Oh, Foreign dear. object. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Kind of uh, like if you're in uh, in barbecue and you get a little chunk of foil in something. Same deal. Yeah. Or you leave a toothpick in the skin of the chicken. Yes. Yep. yep. Um, now that you are world champ, well, let me ask a different question before this one. Were you... Or are you giving classes? I am not. Will you not? Um, yeah. Won't the masses be to running it. to come take steak church from the world champion of 2021? Probably. But everything I've learned, I've learned from other classes. So, I don't know. I, does it need to be regurgitated? I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the experience in the industry I have seen is somebody has success on this type of a scale. There's going to be demand that people kneel at the knee or the foot of who is the grandmaster at the time. And right now you're the world champ yeah. at stake. So, it, I mean, it, to me, it would make sense that you could put on a class and, you know, you could get 20 or 30 people in there to clip and show your process. Oh, and definitely. Start to finish, right? No, I, I, I could cash in on it, you know, I mean. But well, we don't have to don't say know. it like that. That sounds so dirty. Well, <laughs> I need a shower now. Right. But yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's exactly why you know you would. Do. Well, yeah. so I think it's two things. If you can make a couple bucks at it, competing regardless. Certainly, SCA is a lot more affordable than doing KCBS. But there is an expense to it, especially if you're really into it. You're traveling quite a bit, so you have hotel, you have uh, maintenance on the vehicle, aside from all the other stuff. So if you can make a couple bucks, put it back in your pocket. But then, of course, there's uh, you giving back to the steak cooking community as well by giving the class. Yeah, there is that. And I do love to give back. I, I, I do help a lot of people. If, pe if people ask me questions, I answer them pretty, pretty damn honestly. Um, it, there's a, a certain part of putting on a class where all of a sudden this hobby becomes a job. I'm having fun doing this. Mm. I don't really want it to feel like a job. What do you do during the day? So I, I, I'm a warehouse manager. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with cooking right. at all. Good. <laughs> right. Separation. Sometimes that's, exactly. uh, that's the best. Uh, anything, where are you going to be competing at next, Scott? Uh, next comp will be in Van Dyne, Wisconsin. At That'll be Choke the Chicken. We'll be doing some SCA steaks yeah. and some chicken wings for an ancillary. And then uh, that's one of Tim Shop's events that he puts on yeah, I know that early one. in the year. Uh, where you do KCBS style chicken as well, and you get to actually interact with the judges a little bit, get some feedback. It's a good primer going into the year. You start your KCBS off and get some feedback from the judges and see if you want to make any tweaks. Yeah, uh, Scott Nardi is the world champ of SCA here for 2021. 
He is the pitmaster or lead cook or whatever people call it these days. The of Tankerbell Steak Team. That's number one, and you can follow him socially at at Scooter Trash seventy eight if you need him. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's the handle at Scooter Trash seventy eight. Uh, anything else before I let you go tonight, Scott? Nope, that's about it. All right. Well, uh, you are the Thank world you. champ. Appreciate you coming on the show. Continued success. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Greg. All right. You got it. There he is. Scott Nardi right there. World champ. Scott Nardi, if you need him, of course. So we congratulate him on the big win. And I certainly appreciate the, the willingness to dole out the information, too, right there. Love that. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up all the way back in the technically challenged first hour. We talked maybe half a segment with Stephen Reichland. He was South Beach hanging with some other Instagram and uh, we call them social media influencers, I guess. And then we attempted to have a full 35 past the hour segment with Jonathan Barbo, Mr. Jonathan from the Cigar Authority podcast. And we ran into some type of loop echo issue which gave us an abridged and slightly echoey segment so we'll line him up again sooner than later to crush through a bunch of questions that we didn't get to and the second hour went without a hitch amy young from old world spices was great talking about that really cool new competition that she's helping put on out there in the kansas city and missouri area over there by the airport and closing out the show, of course, Scott Nardi, Tankerbell Steak Team, lead grill master. You can follow him socially on Instagram at ScooterTrash78. And we thank him for his time and openness. All right. Big show planned for you next week. Folks, next Tuesday marks one month away from the beginning of season three of American Idol Barbecue Central Show Edition. Plenty to fill you in on when it comes there. Derek Riches is in next week, of course. The embedded correspondents are in next week, of course, because it is the fourth week, and then we will have a bonus fifth week in March as well. So how do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Barbecue Central.